welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Pepperina, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies and dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Megan and Ellie so we can sink our teeth into this episode called Reapers, A Grim Look at Death. For this episode on the It's a Mimic channel, we're going to be looking at three different undead creatures and one mount who b- bring malevolent violence to those who make poor decisions. But before we get any further, I do have a question, as always. When you think of the classic Grim Reaper, you picture a large cloaked and hooded creature with a giant scythe and skeletal hands or skeletal, depending on who you are. But where did we learn that imagery from? So obviously we're probably not going to be able to unpack exactly where that imagery came from, but what legend or pop culture or folklore do you think of like when you think Green Reaper? Like what's, what's your go-to, mm-hmm. like, don't get me are wrong. We... The first one I think of is the Muppets. Okay. The are Muppet we rolling cr- for it or are we just going <laughs> to? Let's roll for it. Roll dice. Okay. Then, Elwin, you got a dice? I do. Roll me a d20. 15. 13. One. All right. All right. Oh, I'll no. Go. Seven. That's a seven, not a one. Oh, look at yeah. you. Maybe you need glasses. <laughs> I, but it's okay. So the first thing I think of when I picture the Grim Reaper is the one from the Muppets Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, but that's the first image I have in my head is the Muppet Grim Reaper. But if I think about like my oldest like knowledge of learning who the Grim Reaper was and where that imagery comes from, it's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse and like the the death horsemen. You know what I mean? Or like... um. Uh, Sleepy Hollow almost is kind of also like a visual that I that comes to mind. But yeah, it's definitely like the the theology and the, the mythos of the Force Horseman is the, my earliest memory of knowing and learning who the Grim Reaper and like what death should look like. But what about you, Peps? Um, my when I first when I hear Grim Reaper, I think about The Sims 4. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god, yes. 100 percent That was what I was thinking as well. I love how that question was possibly supposed to be like, what mythos or like yeah. Greek mythology do you do you attend with the most? And we're like Muppets, Sims. <laughs> Sims. Look, I watch I watch this girl play the Sims and she does like the hundred baby challenge and that yes. kind of stuff. And like she's seduced Grim, you know, she's yep. like begged him to not killer people like and i've just i've seen it so many times in her videos i've been watching her for years um so that's <laughs> that's what i picture it's amazing it's grim from the sims yeah <laughs> yep um i would say so there used to be a tv show on teletoon called tales of the crypt keeper and oh, it used to be yeah. like used to be like the creepy like yeah, yeah, ghosty yeah. story type things that thing gave me nightmares for sure. It, yeah, man. I mean, it was creepy for like a yeah. kid's show for sure. Like a 90s kids show definitely hit different than like today's kids shows. Yes. Um, but uh yeah, like that's that's kind of what comes to mind for me is like Tales of the Crypt Keeper. They kind of went into like that spooky haunted housey type stuff. Um, that and then there was a cartoon that's on like the cartoon network called like billy and mandy or something like that and it's a cartoon and it has like this over like characterized version of the grim reaper i think it's actually called the grim reaper and grim reaper adventures with billy and maddie mandy or something like that but i just remember watching that with nieces and nephews and things like that and i was like that's pretty yeah. good depiction of but yeah most of it is like pop culture references when it comes mm-hmm. to like grim reaper 
type stuff. Yeah. When, yeah. You, men- when you mentioned the, um, the Crypt Keeper, I had to look up the opening sentence because I remember there was a thing that he said at the beginning that was consistent. Yeah. And it's the, hello, boils and ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> And I just remember, like, is it like the like the crypt keeper? Like, he's like got like scraggly hair, and oh, like yeah. he he's like skeletal yeah. in yeah. like very gaunt, not quite dead, but probably should be. Oh yeah, like yeah. I have a very creepy. specific memory of like being like at a cabin, like on a, like a weekend camping trip thing with another family, and them watching that, and that was like the first time I saw it, and it, like. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I just sent you guys a picture of the one that I was thinking of, like okay. when, like in our, in our discord. I know, again, I know that no yes. one at home can see this, but it's, yeah, it's like, it's the live action yeah. version of it. Not yeah. just the cartoon where his like yeah. skin is falling off. You can tell it's probably an animatronic yeah. that's like moving around and is just holding like the book that looks like yes. it has melted wax all over it. Like that's, yeah. I like mm-hmm. how like we went like the Green Reapers like visual with like the sickle and we're all just picking weird random like, nah, this is like <laughs> creepier than that. <laughs> creepier than that. There's also though like more recent um like Supernatural that like Grim yeah. Reaper, the Reapers yeah. and that. The Reapers and that mm-hmm. I think are depicted so well. Yeah. Um, like Yeah, I season- really like how they did. Was it like season two when Dean spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched this show that came out 20 years ago um (laughs) but when 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 dean is like pretty much dead in season two when he dies the first time and he's walking through the hospital and he's Mm -hmm. trying to like communicate with sam and with billy and all that sort of stuff and he just continues to run into this one girl and that she's the only one that can see him and she he's having a conversation with her and it kind of it's revealed by the end of it that she is a reaper and she's there to essentially uh, guide him to have peace Mm -hmm. to move on. Yeah. And I kind of really liked that take on it of they're not so much the doomsdayers that come and show up to, you know, they're, they're shepherds in in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But a shepherd doesn't have to be creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also Googled Reapers from Supernatural because I have not watched the whole series. And like um, all it brought me was the weird, creepy old man with like the the gaunt and like weird white skin. Like it's yeah. and like it's a thing of nightmares. Like it's kind of like Slender Man-esque for anyone who had played Slender yes. Man. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or um I always thought that they looked like uh the gentleman from Buffy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Those, they're also they Reaper, Reaper-esque yeah. and very creepy. Yeah, super yeah. creepy. Yeah. Anyways, I, I later why I like Googled that and it's just going to be on my phone. <laughs> like, why do I have all these like <laughs> Grim Reaper pictures on my phone? Like what phase am I in now? What smart novel am I reading that brought me to the Grim Reaper? That happens I, to me often. I had to look up Sexy Miss Frizzle once and then I totally forgot. <laughs> and I looked like I opened my Google and that's what was there. <laughs> Sexy Miss Frizzle. So yeah. good. <laughs> Fan fiction? Um, it's it's a long story that yep. I shouldn't get into on here. <laughs> long walk to that bridge. We're okay. Uh all right, moving on, Grim Reapers. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> We're already way off the rails. Okay. First monster. So first up, we have Night Vale Spectres. Um, these come from the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Um, they can be seen riding on the back of a creature called a Gloamwing. They are a dark hooded creature that carries a scythe because, of course, they do. 
in the arch, you can see that the hood has come off of them revealing a skeletal head. Their limbs look long and lanky with skin pulled tight against the bones. These terrifying creatures are agents of House Demir and are employed to protect whatever territory the house is interested in. But typically, this is the neighborhood of Night Vale, which is how they got their name. They have many tasks they do for House Demir, like scaring people off who might get too close to a secret meeting, killing anyone the house thinks wrong them, and wiping the minds of anyone who has stolen house secrets. So how do we get these nasty little nightmares on wings? The house Demir has powerful mind magic that is strong enough to erase a person's identity so so completely it leaves them broken. They have no memory at all of their past selves and can only really follow orders with a smidge of creativity to get them done. Getting into their stats, they are medium undead and neutral evil. Um, I kind of expected lawful evil as their entire purpose is to dish out punishments for what the House Demir sees as their law. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, they have natural AC of 17, an average of 105 hit points, and can move 30 feet. They are a CR of 10. Dex and Strength both have a plus four, Wisdom and Con a plus three, and Charisma is about average with a plus zero. And Intelligent drops way down from having their minds broken to a negative two. For saving throws, they get Dexterity with a plus eight and Wisdom with a plus seven. Skills, they have Insight and Perception with plus seven and Stealth with a plus eight. For damage resistances, they have necrotic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from a non-magical weapon. But I feel like at a CR 10, pretty much everyone's going to have a magical weapon at this point. For damage immunities against poison and condition immunities for fear, exhaustion, frightened, and poison. They have dark vision of 120 feet and can understand common but can't speak it. Which really makes me think their charisma is a bit too high if they're not speaking and like their minds are broken. They just charades everything. Yeah. They're like, great, like physical act. They use their hands for yeah. a lot of talking. <laughs> they hand speak like Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if that's just like basically for their intimidation factor that it their charisma is that, but like, yeah. It's the hard thing to remember that, like, your charisma stat score when you're looking at D&D &D is both inspiration and, like, like fearing. Like, I want to say fearing. Yeah, it's like but charm. Intimidation. intimidation. Yeah, and charm, intimidation. Yeah. yeah. It's both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. So um, they have this special ability they can use as a bonus action called mount. If they aren't mounted on their Gloamwing, they can teleport onto it, providing they are on the same plane of existence. So there's no limit to how far they have to be. Um, they don't have to see them. And they just have to be anywhere on the same plane. And boom, they are writing it. Um, it also takes any equipment the Spectre is wearing or carrying. And while mounted and not incapacitated, the Spectre can't be surprised, and both it and the Gloamwing have advantage on deck saves. So that's just a fun little bonus action they can do. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> now let's talk about their actions. They get a multi-attack and can do two attacks with their scythe, which has a plus eight to hit, 10-foot reach, and does 2d6 plus four slashing and 3d8 psychic damage. They have a recharge attack called Mind Twist. The specter emits psychic energy in a 60-foot cone. Each creature in the area must make a wisdom save or take 5d8 psychic damage and be stunned for one minute. The stunned creature can repeat this save at the end of its turn, ending the effect on itself on a success. And the last thing for these guys is Reap Memory, which it can do three times a day. The specter touches one incapacitated creature and chooses one hour from among its past 24. Unless the creature succeeds on an intelligence save, the creature loses memory of that hour. The creature regains that memory only if the specter dies within 24 hours. So if that specter is not killed within 24 hours, that memory is gone forever. So that's it for the specter. Now we will get into the gloamwing. So imagine a giant flying undead rat with a creepy skeleton guy on its back. Its skin stretched so tight against its bones, you can see the definition of them underneath. It has large, prominent teeth striking out from its mouth and empty sockets where eyes maybe once were, with huge wings stretching from its shoulders. And that, my friends, is a gloamwing. Gloamwings and their specters are so connected that if a gloamwing should die, then the specter will stop at nothing to punish those responsible. Now, a specter can create a new gloamwing, but this takes about a month to do, and during that time, the specter is incapacitated. Doesn't really give us more detail than that on how they are created, but if I worked on something for a whole month making it and somebody just came along and killed it, I'd be pretty pissed too. So, like... I get that 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 anger. Yeah, it's yeah. like don't kick over my sandcastle, you bitch. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I spent so long on this, I had to sleep for a month <laughs> to do it. Yeah. So both of these creatures have undead nature, so no need for sleep, drink, food, or air. And looking at their stats, these are large undead, neutral evil, with a natural AC of sixteen and an average hit points of one hundred and thirty-six. And these have a CR of 8. They have a walking speed of 30 and a flying speed of 60. Strength is their highest stat with a plus 5, followed by constitution and dexterity, which both have a plus 3. Their wisdom has a plus 0 and charisma a minus 2. Then we get into intelligence, which is one of their lowest scores I've ever seen on a stat block with a negative 4. Yeah, so they are not very smart. <laughs> um, for saving throws, we get a plus eight to strength and a plus six to dex. Skills, they get a plus three to perception and a plus six to stealth. They have all the same damage and condition resistances and immunities as the specter and also dark vision of 120 feet. For languages, they can understand common. Um, I did find it interesting, as a side note, that they both can understand common, but the specter specifically says it can't speak it, and this one does not. Um, I don't. I just found that interesting. They chose to like leave that out or add mm -hmm. it to the specter. Um, I'm wondering if it's because the specter is more of a humanoid, whereas yeah, this is this is I don't more know. of like a animal. 
So right. it's almost presumed that it can't speak, but it can understand. Yeah. But they're like both just classified as undead, like not mm-hmm. undead humanoid and undead beast. So True. I don't know. That's what, that's what I assumed, but I was like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> semantics, semantics. Yeah, semantics. Semantics. I just like looking at like the differences and like, why, why? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for abilities, they get three. They have Deathlink. If its specter hits zero hit points, the Gloamwing is destroyed. They have flyby. The Gloamwing doesn't provoke opportunity attacks when it flies out of the enemy's reach. And it has sunlight sensitivity. When in sunlight, the Gloamwing has disadvantage on attack rolls as well as on perception checks that rely on sight. For actions, they have a multi-attack and can do one bite and one claw. Their bite has a plus eight to hit and does 3d8 plus five piercing damage. And their claws have a plus eight to hit and do 3d6 plus five slashing damage. So that is what we have for these two fantastic creatures. Adorable visual. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're super. They're super. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's roll initiative. And then I've got some questions. You're right. I got a 10. 19. OR. Amazing. All right. So, Megan, um, what kind of quest ideas do you have for these fantastic? So, I mean, the, guys? in my mind, the classic story would be that you pissed off someone and they sent them after you to judge you. Right. right. They're, they're, they're chasing after you for judgment. But I think a fun twist on it would be like, let's say you like pissed off like, um, I don't know, like the goddess of death. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, okay, well, but you're doing a quest that will benefit them in the end. Like their big quest is that it's going to benefit this person. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to let you finish off this quest or you have 30 days to finish your quest. And mm. then I'm sending someone after you. And then now you have a, it's kind of how you as a, you could use it as a DM to speed up something that's yeah. going on yeah. to get them it's to get to the next one. on it. Yeah. yeah. Being like, yeah, you can't fuck around anymore. You you have to get moving and yeah. you have to go. Stop being murder hobos yeah. and get on with the, get yeah. on with the Players campaign. Players never yeah. just fuck around. I don't know what you're talking oh. about. No. <laughs> Too much oh. fucking around and finding out, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, or yeah, I like that's the... when you send these, <laughs> like your players have fucked around way too much and now they're finding out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I can't imagine like you end up fighting one at one point and then one of your other players who's not necessarily being chased or judged by this kills the mount. Mm-hmm. And then and then now now the whole now it's after all of you because it's just mm-hmm. like, fuck all of you in particular. You actually fucked up and fucked around. And now you're going to find out like yeah. die to fire all of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I do find there like a good an additive. I wouldn't necessarily you could use it as like a main character story driven quest. Like if you're doing in my mind, like a one shot or like a three shot or something like that. But for a longevity of a campaign, I don't think I would use it for that. It would just be a side quest. But mm-hmm. yeah, what just about you guys? Little, little flavor. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I kind of thought very similar where they're kind of sent by big bad evil guy um as you were kind of describing them and things like that i don't know why my brain went to like the nazgul's in lord of the rings flying on like you know the cloaked yeah yeah, yeah. i i you thought know. the same thing very yeah. similar okay yeah. okay um, the visual in the book i would say is very similar except for they are like skeletal yeah not just like so like that's kind of black. they are they are the watchdogs and kind of collectors for the big bad evil guy Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing they are 
not the main quest, but definitely kind of added in there for flavor. Yeah. 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 So I was very inspired by their abilities when I was reading this, specifically their mount ability, because it states in there that they can teleport to their glow wing, no matter where it's at yeah. on that plane, and take any equipment it's carrying. So if it grabs hold of one of your player's equipments, uses a bonus action, and fucks off to halfway around the plane, the world, mm. it takes your player with it. Mm. And then that becomes your quest of trying to figure out where yeah. this up. And it could be your favorite NPC to it. I was going to say, this is no, going to be your little gnome NPC everybody loves. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It like, it doesn't in. have to be a player if you don't want to be that mean of a DM, but um, yeah. could be, it like, their beloved NPC, because every, every group adopts an NPC. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could also be like uh the good like filler episode too like uh -huh. if you have a player who's not there that day uh -huh. and like but you need a filler episode and you're kind of playing in an undead campaign mm -hmm. like have them get taken but yeah then the, the, the that day's one shot filler episode yeah. is going to find them right right but also like they could erase your memory and you don't even know like why you were fighting them in the first place once they yeah. have you like you have no clue where you're at why you're there what's going on um and they can do that three times a day so essentially they could erase three hours of your memory mm. don't like that no nope. but i also thought a little deeper into that if you wanted to get more in depth with that quest as their memories are erased so they don't know who they are what if something went wrong and they see something on that player or NPC that sparks a little piece of their memory on why or who they once were? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they take them specifically for that reason. Like something about you reminds me of something and I don't know what and I need to figure that out. So that could help your party with like clues of where they might have went also. So that's that's what I, I got. like it. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Body horror. Um, so I know that there's like the imagery that you get from D&D, like uh -huh. fifth edition that you kind of described, but also they come from magic cards. Like, cause it's yeah. Ravnica. It's a magic card, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you actually search these on like Google, the first thing you get is the imagery that's given from actual like magic yeah. card in Ravnica. And it's not that different, mm -hmm. but that's where I get the vibe from like the Lord of the Rings, like look. Yeah. Right. And they are, in my mind, haunting and surrounded by darkness. Because if you look at the card art, if you look at the art in the book, there's no form of light around them. Yeah. So then in my mind, it also brings back like the whole like Death Eaters from uh, Harry Potter, mm. where when they arrive, the sky goes dark. Like yeah. there's no light mm -hmm. anywhere. All the lights go out. All you can see is these spectral shadows coming after you. Right. Yeah. So it's not like body horror, but like if we're thinking like how to make them haunting. Yeah. That's kind of cool, especially if they're hunting you and like it's a beautiful day out and all of a sudden like the clouds roll in like, well, actually not even clouds don't even roll in. It just gets dark. It just gets dark. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell just happened? And that one person in your party's like, shit, 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 shit. Right. Like yeah. that's that feel like we are being chased. We are being hunted. We got to go. But half your party has no idea what you're running from, except for like maybe your one beloved NPC is the one being hunted and they mm -hmm. tell you to run. And you're just like, what are we running from? And you're like, death itself, right? Yeah. Like, like that to me would be like haunting and frightening as a player to all of a sudden have like your DM and your NPC be like, run. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? 
Um, I was kind of, so I too had Googled and saw all the magic cards, um, mm-hmm. but I was really fixated on like, could you imagine this just, you just hear like a, a whoosh overhead. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what it is. It's the middle of the night. You guys are camping outside somewhere and you just, you, you hear a whoosh of the actual glowing. And it's just one of those, like it comes from out of the darkness. So it was so something very similar, but just from overhead. And then all of a sudden it is just, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of, I would say looking at the art of this with its scythe and things like that, it it's very almost stereotypical Reaper. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I would say just kind of it coming out of the darkness and giving you those heebie-jeebies yeah the audible mm-hmm. sounds of it too. yeah 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 and they do have very high stealth like yeah. so you wouldn't hear them till they were until there. they were there yeah yeah um i like the idea of you're just like walking through this town and it's you turn a corner and it's just standing in the shadows like it it knows sure. where you're at it's yeah. tracking you and it's just standing there and then like hooded dark hooded you know creature big scythe fuck <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. all you see and then all of a sudden the gloam wing just drops down behind it and it could just snap its fingers and be on the back of it you know because it can just teleport to its back wherever it is so i like that sort of imagery like you don't even know like you blink and it's on the back of this thing. You can't even yeah. like it's so fast you can't even tell. You yeah. know, it's just you haven't, not you haven't there computed anymore. it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if it's not hunting you, like if mm-hmm. you just happen to be in a place like or walking through like a graveyard or in a haunted town mm-hmm. or a haunted city. Uh-huh. I again like I look. What is that haunted haunted house on the hill or house? What is that one where like the ghosts are hidden in the background? I don't remember what it's called. Anyways, um, uh. There's a TV series on Netflix. I think it's House on the Haunted Hill or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, but, like, there were, the big thing that was scary about it was the fact that there were ghosts hidden in the background. They weren't there to see and be seen or actually frighten you right away, but suddenly you see it. Like, there's a scene where someone's walking up the stairs and there's just a face in, like, behind one of the staircases. And, like, mm-hmm. there, I think there's a certain amount of hidden ghosts that you could find. So people would rewatch the series to try and find those faces, like, in the dark in the background. Because they're not meant to be jump scares. They're not meant to scare you. It's just the legitimacy of being in a haunted house. And there's a ghost standing there that you, as a person, doesn't notice. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. that's something that you could play with, too, for, like, body horror or, like, haunting. Yeah. Is that, like, it's there. It's not haunting mm-hmm. you because you haven't done anything. It has nothing to judge you for. It's just mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But if one of you accidentally sees it and starts to fight it and kills its mouth, it has a reason to kill you. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do think <laughs> that's a good like differentiation between these and some of the other ones we've done is it's not so much body horror as it is haunting. Yes. Yeah. It's just scary. Yeah. 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 I mean, they are, like, if you do see, they're, like, it's a skeleton face and, like, creepy, like, you know, sunken in and, and that kind of thing. But I think it's more the haunting that would be. Yeah, and that's the charisma score, right? Yeah. They're there yeah. to intimidate and scare you. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. All right, for role-playing, how would you, you know, it's a little trickier with guys that don't talk. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Okay, it's like, so I was, yeah. if I go back to my original thought and, like, the first thing that I think of when I think of the Grim Reaper is like the the Christmas Carol version of the Reaper mm-hmm. and he just points to things 
right? The Muppet and there's, Christmas Carol one? Yeah, well, there's the Muppet one and then there's Christmas Carol, right? Like, But like the Reaper, he doesn't speak. He just points to things. Right. And like moves around like the space, right? And like, so I feel like that's how I'd role play it is like it to get its point across, it points to you. Like you're the one that I'm after. You're the one being judged. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe the wizard in the group would be like, I know what this is what did you do right yeah and then the conversation happens in your group not necessarily with it it's standing there pointing at you and then the rest of the group is just like oh my god this is this thing what did you do why is this after you yeah and like and then there, i think you can have that like group dynamic of do we give him like to our play do we give this player to the reaper because yeah. of what they did is terrible and do mm-hmm. we agree with what they did if we don't do we just let the reaper have him and walk away Right. So I would try as a DM to play on that is that have one of your characters figure out what this thing is and then have the players have to have that interaction to figure out what to do about it. Do we help our friend and kill it or do we give our friend over to it because they're actually an asshole? Mm -hmm. That's how you get rid of your murder hobos real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Just hand them over to a reaper. Yeah. I feel like you can emote so much through silence very similar to how the gentleman that one episode of Buffy mm-hmm. I, I think everybody that has watched Buffy that is one that sticks in everybody's brain it is a completely silent episode yeah I think except for like five minutes at the beginning and like maybe two minutes at the end mm. it is a completely silent episode but there is so much emotion that is emoted through it and the gentleman just they just look at you and they'll like cock their head to the side or something along those lines. And so I think having one of those episodes with your players where you just, this thing appears and you just go silent and you are just looking at them and then they start freaking out. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. That would be really cool that they come down and it just brings the silence and no one can talk. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh yeah. If you give like, them silence as a spell and just, yeah. If, yeah. if yeah if you as a dm like to have like ambiance music or anything along those lines like you're cutting that like it is just complete silence in you know in in your space that you're that you're playing in and it just i feel like that in and of itself creates like a different kind of environment for your players mm-hmm. yeah it would be different to navigate like again how to how do you navigate when you can't talk to each other yeah. right yeah so yeah, yeah very yeah. true yeah, I mean, those are both fantastic ideas. I don't know that I have too terribly much to add to that. It's just the the slow movements. I wouldn't have them moving fast. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just as a DM, like not talking when yeah. you're doing that. Just yeah. actually slowly raising your hand and pointing. Yeah. Like not just describing it, but doing it. Yeah. Um, just the, like- the slow, like, you know, scythe across the neck to like yeah. indicate death you know and then just in the silence your players just hear behind the dm screen like just dice rolling (laughs) and they're like oh my god what did we do (laughs) what is it gonna do (laughs) all right for exploration and clues what do we have uh so and i kind of mentioned it before i feel like they would have an environmental impact where like to ellie's point like just earlier like i feel like things will go silent Ambient mm-hmm. noise would disappear. Even if you can still speak to each other, I feel like the birds will stop chirping. Yeah. The wind is going to stop blowing. Like all of a sudden, like anyone who's like got like um, a passive perception of at least like 12 to 15 is going to be like, where did the sound go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then like, okay, well, maybe we're in a weird haunted, desecrated area, but you are now, and then it goes dark and all these things happen is a good way to environmentally present them. Um, exactly. Right. It's like all of a sudden you walk into a soundproof room and you yeah. get, it almost feels like your ears pressurize almost. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But like I was also, and I've referenced this film once or twice in the undead series. Um, it follows. If you've never seen that movie and you are a creepy kind of like horror, but not a gore porn kind of creepy horror. It's so good and so well done. It is basically just about a curse that is put on people that they are now being followed by an invisible entity that only you can see. And it never stops following you until it catches you. But again, no one else can see it but you. And it will present itself as people that you know so that it can get close to you. It's just so well filmed because you have to be constantly running from this thing. And if you get on a plane and fly to like another like continent, it will follow you, but it walks. So it's walking on the bottom of the ocean until it gets to you. So you may have bought yourself a month or two of travel time for this thing, but eventually it's going to show up again if you stay stagnant for too long. And that's how I imagine these things being something only you can see it. And the explorational clue will be all of a sudden you see like your dead grandmother or your dead parent is walking up to you and you're like, what the fuck? But only you can see it. And then there's other things that like, um, like, let's say you're standing in a room and it's like coming up behind you. It moves objects to get to you. So like, let's say you've got like a row of chairs or something behind you. It's going to be moving these chairs to get to you, but no one can see it. All they see is the chairs are starting to part as it gets closer to you and it's coming towards you and then you turn around and you can see it. So when we're talking about environments and things like that, like that stuff you can play with, with any kind of like what I feel like a spectral or a ghost character Mm -hmm. that not everybody has to see it, but it's going to interact with the environment around you. So that's my long winded way of saying that. (laughs) If you've not watched it follows watch it this Halloween. Great film. eh? (laughs) Yeah. I would say, um, I mean, there's there's not really much to kind of add as far as like clues and things like that that we haven't gone over and kind of like quest and role playing and body horrors as far as like environmental and things like that. Like it would definitely be like that sound dampening. Um, mm-hmm. It would definitely be like, you know, it's got such a high stealth, but once, you know, the the gloam wing kind of gets close enough, you're just going to hear a little bit of a whoosh of, of air over its, uh, over its wings. You might see like a glint of the moonlight off of the, you know, the blade of the scythe, something along those lines, they're going to be really minute. They're not going to be, you know, very obvious unless you have a higher perception. Um, And then all of a sudden it's just there. Yeah. Um, I think one addition you could do before you even get to any of that, before it enters the area, Mm. you go into a town and the people just seem off. Like maybe Mm. you're investigating something and it has just deleted so many memories from these people that like everybody in that town just seems like everybody has seen something that they shouldn't have seen. And that could be what you're investigating. And just nobody fucking knows. Like, like, no, we like, what are you talking about? Tuesday was a fantastic day. Like they have no, like I woke up and then I went to bed and that was Tuesday. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. 
Um, and it just doesn't make any sense. So I think you could play around with the memory loss there before you even get to them entering the arena at all. Yeah. Don't give Adam any ideas about using memory loss in your campaign. It's frustrating as fuck. Like (laughs) he made us play through like weeks of being around things that made you forget your memories. Like he had Uh a whole episode on it. Um, but like, it was one of those things where if we didn't actually write it down as characters, Mm -hmm you forgot it the next day. Mm. So it was like a, it was, a, it was hard to navigate, man. Cause like we go into a situation and us as players be like, Oh, it's that guy. And he's just like, what guy? You don't remember him. Yeah. So frustrating. Uh, <laughs> all right. What about combat? Uh, combat. I do love the teleporting to like the, your mount ideals. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that that's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and you can utilize that a lot if you wanted to. Right. Like you could Mm -hmm. just send your mount to go and deal with the rest of the folks while you as the DM walk towards your judgment character as the person. And then when you're ready to pop off and leave, you just get up and you leave. And like to your point, you can just take them with you if you want to. So fucking cool. To our earlier point of when we're talking about like their body horror and how to role play them, they will move slowly in my mind. Like they, they know they can kill you. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, yeah, sure. If you want to attack me, attack me. That's fine. But you will eventually be judged whether it's by me or the next one. So I'm going to take my time. <laughs> yeah. I would say it would dismount and, and you'd be, you'd be fighting both instead of it staying on its mount and, and you fighting it mounted. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. It would probably, yeah, this one's, <laughs> Do, do we think it would stay mounted or do you think it would jump down to I, f- I feel like it would jump down like I feel I like it I feel like it would definitely dismount yeah but until... if it stays mounted it does have a 10 foot reach so yeah, they right. could both and and the mount has flyby so it yeah. can fly by any one of you and not yeah. get hit so I would not assume that it would also not get hit if on that mount yeah um, yeah so there's your entrance is four, definitely yeah, mounted. I mean, I mean, I would yeah, say that that's your entrance. There's four attacks but, that you yeah. would get hit with. Yeah, but like kind of like mid-combat, like I, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be like in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to dismount. It's going to be in tandem. It's going to be going after its specific target while, you know, the the Gloam Wing is, is taking care of everybody else. Yeah. Gloam Wings, you know, got the attention of the Barbarian or or whatever tank you've got, the Paladin, that sort of thing. And the the Night Veil, he's he's definitely going after his target and then GTFOing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it has the stun also. Yeah. Which is a 60 foot cone. Yeah. So it's going to get at least a couple of your players yeah. in that. And let me see what was. Yeah, it's going to fly and fly by, land, cone stun everybody, turn around, and then slowly walk towards its target. Right. I'm trying to see what the... That was a wisdom save. So Mm. it's your tanks that aren't going to pass that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your tanks are going to be stunned. Yeah. And you're just going to have your squishy characters for a minute Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to deal with. But then that's, that's, you know, like, it's going to do the flyby, it's going to stun, it's going to dismount... Oh yeah, and that glow wing is never Glowing. Yeah, glow wings never going on after the your ground. tanks. It's always flying. Yeah. It's glow, just yeah. circling yeah. and hitting every player as it goes by. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, like it just kind of swoops down. Night Vale just quickly jumps three point, off. Three point lands. <laughs> three point lands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the glow wings going after after your tanks and and 
and keeping yeah. the attention of like your rangers right. and shit too because it's flying yeah. and they're the only flying, ones that can it's hit there. it yeah. it's big mm-hmm. yeah there you go it's a big distraction it also while it is mounted they do both get advantage on deck saves as well mm. so usually yeah usually when you come with a mount you're you're shit's better when you are mounted yeah, yeah like yeah, that's yeah. just usually how it goes but like if i was to tactically be this thing Mm-hmm. my entrance would be mounted and my exit would yeah. be mounted but we will yes. separate and like depending yeah. on how large the size group is like if you're if the person you're judging is standing there by themselves yeah i'm gonna stay mounted i'm gonna bite your head off and we're gonna leave yeah. but if you have a group and i have to tactically separate my target from yeah. all these other people that technically i'm not here to judge mm-hmm. i'm gonna use this this flying dragon thing as like my flying rat dragon thing yeah as a as a distraction for the group that i'm not technically here to kill um because it's not my job not my job to judge them i'm here to judge this person right so then they're then so that they can focus on what they need to do right so yeah yeah just all around scary just very neat you know yeah Yeah. Yeah. i got very inspired by these while i was reading them they're pretty cool all right um i think that's all the questions for that so we are on to the next guy to the next one so the next one uh comes from mordekainen's fiendish folio volume one it is called the eye of fear and flame so it's got gleaming red and black gems for eyes and it is cloaked in tattered and torn cloaks with a hood when you kind of like look at the hood the interior of it is pretty much a void. It's just like opaque darkness. Can't really see it. It helps to kind of obscure its face. So their origin is questionable depending on who's telling the tale. Some say they were created by a trial of faith and allegiance by some uh, by lawful gods for their disciples. Others say they were born to reap havoc against, uh, havoc and destruction against lawful creatures by chaotic evil deities, and a few select cl- claim that they were specifically constructed by Orcus himself. But despite their orc origins, a few things remain the same. These creatures are rare, rumored to only be about 20 or so in existence, but no one really knows for sure. And they tend to materialize in times of unease or unrest, or just prowl the streets looking to stir up some chaos. They're cunning in nature. These creatures are pragmatic with their commands, either perform its evil deeds or be destroyed. The eye of fear and flame has a bit of a flair for dramatic reveals as well. If you do disobey their command, they throw back their hood, reveal their gnarly grizzly skull, and then attack you. They're uh, opportunistic in the way that they target creatures who are mainly always either good or lawfully aligned often appearing during pinnacle moments when a creature is making significant decisions or after a devastating defeat when they are vul- or when parties vulnerable uh, they devise trials of morality to challenge their targets the outcome of these tasks are not as important to them rather they take great satisfaction in the mere crisis of conscience chaos and misery that the t- that their targets endure so for an example, um, a paladin needing to kill an innocent in order to prevent a greater evil from taking place. The Eye of Fear and Flame uh, casts its magic through its gemstone eyes. During combat, they don't care about collateral damage, ta- uh, targeting both its opponents and innocent bystanders in order to spread as much chaos, confusion, and destruction as possible. If the Eye of Fear and Flame is destroyed, their gemstone eyes can be recovered by those who look for them. These gemstones are considered cursed, much like a Demi Lich's soul gem. 
So getting into the stats of these guys, uh, the Eye of Fear and Flame are chaotic evil, uh, medium undead. They have a CR of 9 with 136 hit points and an AC of 15. It has a plus 4 to its charisma and constitution and intelligence, a plus 3 to its wisdom and strength, and a plus 2 to its dex. It has a plus eight to its constitution and charisma saving throws, a plus seven to both wisdom and strength saving throws, and a plus seven to its perception. It has damage resistance to necrotic and psychic damage uh, and is immune to poison. It is also immune to being blinded, charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, and stunned. Uh, it has a 60-foot dark vision, a passive perception of 17. Um, the languages part is actually pretty cool. Uh, at a base level, it knows common, uh, but it also knows all languages known by all creatures within a 30-foot radius of it. That's really cool. So that's really yeah. cool. That's kind of one of the first times that I've ever really seen this Yeah, I in, like in a creature of anything. So like, it just knows everything. So there's going to be no secrets. That's really cool. Does it get to keep them? It doesn't. No, it's no, just within I... a 30-foot radius. So, like, once you move out of that 30-foot radius, it doesn't, it, it doesn't can't know. understand you. So, uh -huh. I feel like it might be a cool playability. Yeah. It's almost like just can figure getting that out. into your mind. Yeah. While you're, while you're within there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, this guy is also a cleric's worst nightmare uh, because it has something called turn immunity, making it immune to the effects of turn undead. Classic. Yeah. Uh, it has innate spell casting where it can naturally cast, detect good and evil, and detect thoughts at will. Ethrilness and true seeing once per day, all without using uh, any components and with an intelligence save DC of 16. Uh, the Fear of Eye and Flame has multi-attack because, of course, it does, making two claw attacks uh, and also using gemstone eyes. So its claw attacks are a melee weapon attack with a plus seven to hit and a five foot reach targeting one creature. And it hits for nine points of slashing damage or 1d12 plus three damage. Uh, its ability gemstone eyes allows it to target one creature within 90 feet and shoot a ray from either its eye of fear or its eye of flame. If it chooses Eye of Fear, its target and up to four creatures within 10 feet of the target must make a Wisdom DC 16 save uh, or be frightened for one minute. If it chooses Eye of Flame, the target must make a DC 16 deck save. On a fail, the target takes 44 or 8 D10 fire damage. And if it is a creature or flammable object, it ignites, taking 5 or 1d10 damage at the start of its subsequent turns until the fire is put out. On a save, it takes half damage and it doesn't ignite. Amazing. So yeah. all in all, these guys are here to fuck you up. And the, yeah, the fact that they're just built for chaos, right? They don't actually have Absolutely. a rival reason is an interesting tidbit they're, about them. Yeah, like they just want chaos and destruction and to reap as much confusion and test you morally it, yeah like they're just chaos love it love incarnate. it i love yeah. some chaos yeah so yeah let's, let's roll, roll some dice let's roll some initiative oh i got a two. Eleven. Eleven. dice are not nine. in my favor guys mm -hmm. 11 
<laughs> your first with your 11. Phenomenal. All right. Quest ideas. What do you have for us, Megan? I like the fact that like because they're just built for chaos and have no rhyme or reason for existing, a quest that I have in mind is that a wizard fucked up one day and created 20 of these by accident, and then they're scattered around the world. And now it's your group's job <laughs> as this wizard and or warlock's like patrons to go and hunt them down mm. <laughs> and either bring them home or kill them because they're going to be yeah. constantly wreaking havoc and wherever they land. Right. And because they have no allegiance to each other, they're just all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you might, and like, I can just imagine one of them even plane shifting. They find a way to plane shift and now they're somewhere else completely. Right. So you can actually utilize them to find different areas to, to play in. Right. Mm-hmm. Like imagine it found a way to get to the Fae, the Fae realm. Right. Or found a way to get to like, I don't know, like the, the shadow fell or something like they're just all over the fucking place. So it just it's like the ultimate large quest and other small things happen in and around as you like exploring, like you end up in a town, like you can do whatever you want. But the big overarching storyline and quest is that your goal is to gather these things and bring them home before they destroy existence by accident. <laughs> I like the idea of like there being a tag on the back that says, if found, please return to exactly right and they actually have little numbers on them too like this is number 12 this yeah. is number one 15. of one of 20 one of 20 yeah <laughs> rare collector's item mm-hmm. yeah 100 and like uh it would just be so cute like and like i can imagine some of them not being overly crazy and over destructive they were just created and most of them are but maybe you run into one or two as you're in your travels and you're like number six of 20 is actually just like an adorable little face, you know, and it's just like living <laughs> its best life. Kind of still wreaking havoc and probably killing someone's livestock, but like uh-huh. not bothering humanity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It looks like, like, what is it? The sable eye Pokemon with the little <laughs> gemstone eyes. Just, <laughs> just like hanging out, you know? <laughs> So yeah, again, a big overarching quest that I think that your your group. Is- I love that we always turn these into adorableness, some way or another. <laughs> we have to, you know, we have to. it's part of our charm. We always make it cute somehow. Yeah. Um, I think for quest, I would go with because you said that like you don't know how these were created. There's yeah. a lot of different, um, a lot of different origin stories, a lot yes. of different lore behind so, them. So like having to figure out which is the actual mm. accurate one in order to be able to destroy them because if you can find the secret of how they were created you can find the secret and how to destroy them right it could yeah. be like one of those ones where you have to destroy them all at the same time or they just reincarnate they mm. just keep coming back yeah, yeah. so you like half, you have to know exactly how they were created yeah. yeah so i think that would be a way to play with it yeah um i always tend to gravitate towards what's going to impact the biggest trauma on someone um <laughs> love it um love it. so i love have you ever the- played call of cthulhu <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so i love the idea of these being created by a lawful god as a trial for their paladins or for their clerics um like if, a test yeah. yeah yeah totally and that is you know that's kind of one of those they just they're not the main scenario quest but they are a side they're they're a little annex to it um you know you're going off and you're doing this main trial like this main quest for this god 
And they're just throwing these guys at you just to make sure that you're going to stay true to your quest or true to your path um, in times of, you know, like, if if the god is questioning your devotion to this main quest, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw them one of these and figure out what they really want to do. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. Like... I like the idea of try, trying to give them purpose too, like your, to your yeah. point, give them a bit of a yeah. purpose for existing, not just complete yeah. chaos. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of really like, they don't know that these are trials from their God mm-hmm. until like the very end. Yeah. Until they, and they finish find, the trial. Until they, until they finish like the whole quest and the, you know, they like come to the God and they like present them with this, I don't know, with whatever treasure or something like that, that they were supposed to find. And they're like, you know, I've retrieved this for you, yada, yada, yada. And then the god's like, oh, you know, you did so well, you know, dealing with these guys that I sent to you. Mm-hmm. And the paladin's like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I just thought of it a brilliant idea. And I hope that you guys love it, too. So <laughs> to, your, to your point, Ellie, let's give it a purpose for a paladin or a cleric. So they think they're on some kind of a holy quest to gather these things. And they're told... Each one of these creatures has an item with it that you need to retrieve. Mm. So you collect these 20 tiny pieces of items or tiny little items, but you don't know what they are. And then they eventually create the Grim Reaper's scythe. (gasps) And you were not actually working with your god. You were working with the Grim Reaper himself who just sent you on a quest to build their scythe for him. Yes. (laughs) Because your god... And as a way to destroy and take away the Rim, the Grim Reaper's abilities was yeah. to take the scythe, break it into pieces because you can't completely destroy it and yeah. send it off with these chaotic things into the world that are impossible to find. So now you're on this quest thinking that you're helping your god. You're not. You're doing the exact opposite of what they asked you to do. And you are now collecting the Grim Reaper's like scythe to bring to him. Yeah. I like there it. you go. You're welcome. Nice. nice. You're welcome, internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, body horror. I I've made the mistake of now thinking that they're adorable. So yeah. have you uh, looked up a picture? Let me look up a picture right now. Because I don't here. know why when you were first um talking about them, I did think like and you said something about Dimmy Lich, like I did think of them as just floating heads, but they're like not. yeah, the, the like the skulls with the crystal eyes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they but don't look like my that. ADHD apparently. is no. like uh, like crazy today and i'm only absorbing half informations <laughs> that's very true my brain is deciding to fulfill what it wants to fulfill yeah yeah so like you probably described it very well but my i only heard like glowing eyes and skeletal head <laughs> yeah no they're they're really creepy looking yeah, yeah. they they are yeah. Yeah, uh, so they are a floating skull, but like a body also made of bones and rags. Like like, mm-hmm. a, like it's they're creepy looking. Yeah, they're not they're not great. Um yeah, they're they're they kind of remind me of like the Tales from the Crypt Keeper kind of guy, but if you just threw a cloak over his head and he had gemstones yeah. for eyes. Yeah, so they're no yeah. longer as adorable as I think they are. No, but... they're not. <laughs> they're almost like um like I guess if they they do look like Grim Reapers. Like they, they just they just they look do. like Grim Reapers. Yeah. But yeah. without without the scythe, right? I yeah. do love their like hood of the just like just I would I would wear that cloak. You know what I mean? I like would a hundred percent take that cloak. If I was a rogue, I would a thousand percent take that cloak off of it and just you would never see my face again. Yeah. Peace out, guys. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the body horror of them is definitely like 
it's just a floating head with a floating cloak you know like yeah. so what do you like when you're fighting it what are you hitting you're hitting a bunch of rags and a yeah. skull yeah. right yeah. so it, it speaks to itself for body horror it's just another weird creepy skeleton that you're gonna have to fight somehow yeah there's a lot of different depictions of it because some of them is just like a floating head with a cloak yeah. some of them he does have like hands and and things yeah. but i don't i mean you could definitely go where none of it's body parts are actually connected underneath that cloak or just doesn't have a body period is the way i was thinking it hands that come out of it but like they're also just floating inside of that they're just floating hands there's no actual like like spine and chest cavity Mm -hmm. or like legs you're just getting hands and a head and a cloak see that all you could yeah all you can essentially see is the hands and the head yeah yeah i love that coming out of it so for me it's like very much the the gemstone eyes in Mm -hmm. the void of darkness hood so you just get a little bit of like a gleam of the red gemstone like the ruby gemstone or or just the red gemstone Mm -hmm. just as it's like looking around the corner because most of its face is going to be obscured the black gemstone is also going to be probably a void but then it's just got this one red eye that just kind of gleams so like to me that's kind of like the creepy part because you're just like what in the fuck is that Mm -hmm. yeah very much so i love how on the nose the name of these are like i did they just like (laughs) get like they just ran out of creative names and they were like (laughs) just name it after its abilities it you are has gonna an be... eye of fear and it has an eye of flame. Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. It's very like on the it. nose. Yeah. Someone ran out of names somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Role playing. How would we? Now these, uh, can they talk? They can. Yeah. Okay. So, so they can talk there just within the 30 feet of understanding your languages. They know base common. They know yeah, common. They know base common. Okay. Um, and then they, more within they have a plus four to their charisma okay. yeah so uh, i yeah i feel their like their intelligence and their mm-hmm. intelligence like these guys are smart they have a plus three to their wisdom like yeah these yeah. guys they're like they're pragmatic they're they're like do this or die mm-hmm. yeah and like they're very rational um and they are just very on the nose when it comes to base facts you did this this is your outcome yeah i also like the idea like again like you can speak languages for everybody that's 30 feet within it yeah. i as a dm would be like okay everybody what languages do you speak 100 percent. and then for the yeah. next like i don't know like a portion of the cat just to add to its chaos every second paragraph or sentence it speaks is in a different language that one of the other characters understands yeah it's like all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's speaking elvish and your elf is like what the speaking- hell deep speech yeah yeah for like you're like dragonborn sitting in the corner yeah. like they're speaking draconic randomly yeah. and it's just like to confuse each one of you individually it'll speak a language that one of you understands but not the other one yeah oh it gives like, its big bad speech but like you each only understand part of it yes you get because it changes yeah it pertains it to you the language yeah. yeah so i i would almost like hand each speech but if i was to be like overplaying this as a big big bad that you like come across the last thing i did would be like give each person a part of the speech that i've written down like you understand mm-hmm. this part you understand this part you understand this part if you survive you can talk about it later yeah 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 be a and fun like, puzzle and that oh is, and if somebody yeah. does die then everybody's just always missing that one that, that one, one part yeah. yeah and it could Unless... be that that 
big bad speech at the very beginning is like when you puzzle it together it's the sole reason why he's there and he's putting you through those trials mm-hmm. and so if that one person dies you you're like yeah why unless f- somebody is like why is he here yeah speak to the dead what's going on but yeah. then you have to resurrect your actual friend to yeah. speak with the dead and not get emotional and like yeah. ask other things and only ask what did they say yeah, yeah. But when it comes to role-playing, again, like, it just plays into their chaotic nature, right? Like, they don't want to give you the answers, but they're going to play with you, and they're going to think that it's fun, right? Yeah. So. I like that, like, we're just, we're we're not really going in order with these. We're just piecing it together, (laughs) together. Hey, (laughs) man. I have forgotten what order we have rolled the dice. We are just (laughs) creating Um, it as one. Yeah, I, I just love just the chaos and destruction mm-hmm. that this guy comes with. Uh, the fact that he could give two shits about collateral damage and he's just like, he's just all for it. You're his yeah. target. He's got his eye, you know, he's got a sight set on you. He's going to, he's going to target you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just kill everybody on the way to you. Yeah, just kill everybody on the way to you. Mm-hmm. Exploration and clues. Technically, I'm first. Um, start us off. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if you're if you're either if you're hunting one of these uh, or if you're if you to be able to find out if there's one in your area, obviously, there's going to be chaos wherever you go. So like if you walk into a town, you get the story of the fact that like, yeah, like for the last two days, all of our livestock have been brutally murdered and there's like 10 missing people. And, like, we've run out of water. We're going through a weird famine for some reason. Like, the roads have been closed off. We're not getting any air shipments in. Like, it's going to be one of those every day something new happens until you figure out that it's just the chaos being wreaked by one of these motherfuckers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say you'd see the effects of its eyes. So you would see, like, people who are afraid and you would mm-hmm. see areas that have been burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you would see definitely, like, a combination of those two. So yeah. you would have, like, shut-ins, like, their house barred off. And, you know, just terrified and talk to their neighbor and be like, what's up with that house? Like, I don't know, two days ago, they were totally fine. And then they came home just terrified and started closing themselves off. We haven't heard anything since. We don't know if they're alive. We don't know what's going on. They haven't come out to eat. Right. Yeah. 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 The bakery hasn't been open in days. (laughs) Yeah. You see like scorch marks as you come up to the town and Mm -hmm. and things like that as well. Just livestock burned. Yeah. I think that that would be a big one is is definitely the the scorched earth part of it. Mm -hmm. Like that would be a big. And you don't quite know because it's like, okay, well, was it a dragon? Like, was there Mm -hmm. a dragon attack? Was there something else? Um, You know, the first the first thing like, you know, you hear hoof hoofprints you don't think zebra you're gonna think horses like you're not gonna think that it's one of these guys you're gonna think it's something super common when you see that scorched earth yeah and then all of a sudden you're encountered with this yeah um so i think that that's definitely there's gonna be like those little clues but you're not gonna quite know what's going on until you see him and then you're just like what is this and you might have the wizard who rolls a really good history check and might know what this is, but because they're so rare, the chances of anybody really knowing what this is is probably really low. Yeah. So you're going to have no information on it as well. You're yeah. not going to know how Because they're random, it. right? So wherever they are, end yeah. up wreaking havoc is going to be well, random. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Random. I mean, like, 
you know, some of some of the lore on it was that they just they liked to to prowl streets within towns and things like that. Others were like, it shows up immediately after like a massive defeat. So you know, your your mid arc on you know your campaign, you've just kind of encountered big bad evil guy for the first time. You guys were defeated. You've probably got some that are you know severely wounded or dead got to do like some sort of resurrection this guy's going to show up and fuck shit up and he's going to not necessarily attack you but he's going to put you through these trials so not only did you just come out of a massive defeat he's now throwing this at you yeah so yeah i think i think the scorched earth part though would probably be a big giveaway mm-hmm. um combat uh, it's going to use its eyes as much as possible. It likes watching you be afraid of it. So I think the first thing it's going to pop off is the fact that, oh, you're now afraid of me. Run away. Because it's going to be a yeah. game when you start running. Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To your point, Ellie, it's like a like a big thing is the eyes. And like, so it's what's going to add the creep factor to them. It's going to be what adds like a lot of like, and it's also like the target of, okay, this is what makes us afraid of it. This is what like causes fire and flame to burn your players are now going to start targeting its eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Like you'd have an archer being like, hey, like I want to try and see if I can like arrow one of these suckers through its gemstone eye, right? And then do club role-playing through what it's going to be like for it when it loses one of its eyes, Mm -hmm. right? Like it it lives and breathes its eyes, right? So, but yeah. I think a notable thing in its um, spell casting is that it can do detect thoughts at mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. yep so it will always know what your next plan is yes so it will be prepared for whatever you think you have planned yes yeah um and just be able to i would give it advantage on any sort of like dodging or getting out of the way of things because it will know yeah and your players get it in your head and that's a a good role-playing aspect too when you're doing that kind of a fight because then your players will be like well how does it know what i'm going to do because you as a dm know what your paladin Mm -hmm. is capable of you as a dm knows what your fucking rogue is capable of yeah you know they're going to try and pop off a sneak attack and be like well that detected your thoughts it knows you're behind it no you don't get your sneak attack right Mm -hmm. like just small things like that and like that would be frightening as players. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could also use that as advantage in um, in combat to like disarm your actual players as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking something as a character, your character's thinking like, oh God, like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do X, Y, Z. And then he just like stops and turns to you and he's like... <laughs> Like in whatever, like in Elvish or in Deep Speech or in Draconic or or whatever, it just kind of looks at you and laughs and you're like, oh, pitiful fool. Like you think that that's going to best me. And it just like, you just kind of like stop and you're like, what is going on? What is this thing? And so it's one of those, it almost seems like, like its main goal isn't so much being in combat but the amount of confusion and chaos that it can mm-hmm. kind of and i i feel like that's really going to be its end goal is i don't want to fight these guys like yeah i could probably take them down i could make them fearful i could use flame that sort of stuff um but really it's going to use its master manipulator it's going to be the puppet master it is going to sit there and it is you know going to try and you know marionette doll whomever is within its vicinity Mm -hmm. to just absolutely bring chaos yeah 
I can imagine it to to your point, like it would use its free action every round to say something to one of your other players in a language only they understand. 100%. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to, you know, when it first materializes and you're not quite in combat with it, it's presented this, you know, um, kind of task towards your cleric or towards your paladin or whomever is kind of lawful within your group as that character is kind of thinking in their brain as a DM, you're like, okay, like, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on this? Like, you're kind of prompting them to almost speak out loud Mm -hmm. to be like, you know, what are you thinking about this? And then like using that against them. Mm -hmm. Yep. I could see like a mind fuckery that it uses is knowing what the next like player is going to do and turning to another player that it only knows that language and saying in that language, like, your paladin's really cute thinking that it can do this. And then yeah. the paladin not hearing it and doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did it know? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so fun. How fun would that be to role play as a DM? That'd be pretty yeah. cool. It would. It'd be hard, you but it'd be fun. You almost have to like have your players write down what they're going to do and give it to you before they like. Yeah. Write down your move before or text me your move. Yeah before your next round i feel like there's definitely a a difficulty level when Mm -hmm. role playing this live at a table comparison to using you know a different tool like roll 20 or something like that where you are able to actually have those sidebar conversations with your players and things like that i feel like that would probably be to your advantage as a dm using those sorts of platforms and things like that when you're doing that so it's Mm -hmm. a good one if you know, you're kind of spanned across all of Canada or all of the US, you've got, you know, multiple different people in your party and you you use Roll20 or you use Discord or you use something along those lines quite frequently. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We ready for the last one? All right. Yes. Sounds good. So mine's not as like in depth as your guys's was, to be honest with you. Um, so we'll see how much we can pull out of this one. Yeah. That's 15 a that, minutes to fill. So I know but that, that, <laughs> that pun was intended because I'm going to talk about the avatar of death. Uh, so something to know about the avatar of death is it can only be summoned by a person who draws the skull card in the deck of many things. So for those young folk who don't know what a deck of many things is, get educated. <laughs> it's a really it's a really great tool. It's fantastic. It's the best thing. If your DM gives you one, pull a card every day. Pull yeah. Card. Just pull keep card. pulling cards. Pull uh, nothing note, bad happens. Real, real quick side note about D&D cards. I got a D&D tarot deck and if you you can I use it in game deck as well. And pull a card and it gives you an encounter. Yeah. Adam Adam you had used used it before yeah. for us too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's pretty cool. Um, so, but that being said, yes, the deck of many things for those who are uneducated, uh, basically what this is, is it's a magical item that is a deck of cards and each card has a different effect once pulled. Um, and it's either really, really bad or somewhat good. There's no, there's like one or two really good cards in that deck. Otherwise you're really just lopping off an arm or like losing your mind or slowly going crazy or something like that. So it is a weird thing in D&D culture that everybody is afraid of the deck of many things. And yet we all yeah. fucking pull from it. Yeah. Every you time. Know? So I don't any... think I have ever encountered the deck of many things and not pulled from it. Not done at least once, you know? Yeah. yeah. So for example, so as I mentioned, when you draw the skull card, what happens is the avatar of death will appear and basically orders you to fight it to the death. And you are not allowed to have help from anybody around you. 
In fact, if someone interferes with your one-on-one dual battle with this avatar of death, another avatar of death will appear to handle the person who interfered. And the duel is to the death. It is either you kill the avatar of death or the avatar of death kills you. And if you die from an avatar of death, there are no death saves. You die. Fun. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about its stats for a little bit. And then you're kind of want to see why you don't necessarily want to fight one. It would be annoying. And if you did this at a low level, you will probably end up dying. Okay. Uh, so the avatar of death is a medium undead neutral evil character. In my mind, neutral evil, obviously, because it doesn't really care what your alignment is. Its job is its job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has an AC of 20. Uh, it has hit points, which is half the hit point maximum of its summoner. Ooh. So it is its its hit point pool is navigated based on how many hit points the card drawer has. Yep. Okay. So it has a somewhat nice (laughs) it's half the amount yes you are correct but uh let's hope it wasn't your tank that drew it that's what i mean it's like just if your wizard draw it has five hit points easy peasy easy peasy fireball it you're good to go yeah (laughs) um but the thing to be afraid of is that it has a speed of 60 and a fly speed of 60 which it means it's but technically it's hovering not flying um it has plus three in all stats across the board so strength dex con intelligence wisdom charisma all are plus three uh it has damage immunities to necrotic and poison and as always because it's an undead creature condition immunities to charmed frightened paralyzed petrified poison and unconscious uh, it has dark vision of 60 feet true sight of 60 feet and a passive perception of 13 it knows all of the languages of its summoner mm. so it's going to start talking to you in that weird language you picked at the beginning of the game uh because it is a basically a little ghost specter of course it has incorporeal movement so as we've spoken before in a couple of episodes what this means is that it can move through other objects but if it stops within an object it takes uh on average five force damage if it, yeah if it ends its turn inside of an object uh and then it has the turning immunity so it can not be turned undead so even if you are fighting a cleric too bad so sad uh, as actions, it has a reaping scythe. So what this is, is the avatar it's the or the specter itself uses a scythe to swipe through a creature within five feet, dealing seven slashing damage plus four necrotic damage. So you're doing an average of over 10 damage per round. Uh, so it doesn't seem scary, mm-hmm. but if you, it has an AC of 20. So if you are at a lower level, yeah, it's HP is a little bit lower. That's cool. That's great. But you're probably also not going to hit it. Not going to hit it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the scary part. So if you do end up with a fighter who doesn't have magical capabilities to put some distance between it and be able to hit it with some fireball spells that don't really require the AC, um, it's actually going to be pretty tough for just like your little rogue to stab this thing to death. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it is definitely a be careful and be worst of fighting one of these if it does appear and again if if someone interferes with it another one pops up and starts fighting that person yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i was just thinking is what's your first kind of natural instinct when you're presented with an antagonist yep your whole party is going to engage yeah because especially that group of people that have never dealt with decame things have never heard of this before they pull a card it's the skull card all of a sudden this death thing appears in front it starts it, it starts attacking you it doesn't care yeah. it's just yeah. like like it comes yeah. at you and obviously like you're like okay and then your dm's like okay everybody roll initiative yeah so everybody rolls initiative and if the rogue or whatever it's attacking doesn't go first and someone yeah. else hits it another one is going to appear yeah and then it'll just be all hell will break loose you know yeah. what i mean so <clears throat> yeah you touch it and it just multiplies it just yeah. keeps multiplying 
So until your group figures that out. So then (laughs) if you try to help somebody else with their, like if you take care of yours. And then try and help somebody else with theirs. theirs, Another another one one pops up. Yeah. So until they figure out what's happening, you will probably end up with four or five of these on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, but that's it. That's the avatar of death. Awesome. Um, let's roll initiative. Sure. For some questions. Natural 20. I got a nine. This dice really likes these nines. I got a 13. Several times today. All right. Um, quest ideas. Is there a quest idea for these? I mean, it's it's really just a side quest. And it's just kind of one of those. You're going to have it in your back pocket as a DM. Yeah. You're going to know, like, if you give your, you know, your party a deck of many things, you're going to know that this is a possibility that if and when they do pull a card, this mm-hmm. could be happening. This is yeah. going to be uh, on the fly, by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It would be more like coming up with a quest on how they find the deck of many things. Yeah. The quest is really... Yeah, the yeah. quest is going to be about the deck. It's not going to be about the yeah. fact that I specifically want to pull yeah. the skull card to fight this avatar for no fucking reason whatsoever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like for bookkeeping, the stat block for the avatar is in with the um, deck of many things in the DMG. So it's oh, not it's even its own like yeah. monster stat block. It's sitting inside. Yeah. So it's like there's no other rhyme or reason like for a quest idea to be like, hey, I want to go find this deck of many things so I could mm-hmm. fight this avatar like yeah. i don't know unless like my only thought would be somebody else pulled that card in the world and died and their family is like i need to avenge this death of my family member so i need you to go find this deck and pull cards until you and I, oh and pull until, cards until you yeah pull until, until, you, until you pull the skull card. yeah yeah mm. Could you imagine? And well, like, like how, how many I, cards are you pulling before you're like, fuck this? <laughs> but now I'm wondering, like, now I'm getting into the logistics of how the deck of many things works. And I'm thinking uh-huh. in my head, like, could you imagine if you just came across this deck and instead of just pulling a random card, you start sifting through it? Mm-hmm. Like, does it pop off everything you've looked at? Or is it because you didn't pull it random? It doesn't do anything. Because then I can imagine that, like, you have this deck of many cards instead of like, again, pulling at random without looking, you flip uh-huh. it over and start fanning them out, find the skull card and pull the skull card out. What if you flip them all over and they're all blank? So, yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering what the logistics around yeah. the deck of many and they things only is. have something if you just randomly pull one. But if you look at them as a whole, if you yeah. look at more than one at a time, then they're blank, I think is how I would play that as like the DM. I've been trying hard uh, okay. not to. This so time. I did. I did just read, and it does yeah. say that any cards drawn in excess to this number to the number that you declare you're going to draw have no effect. Mm-hmm. And it. So I can imagine that. Um, that's kind of how it works. If you look at it and you're looking at the cards, you're not drawing from it, so it doesn't count. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. And then another thing is, once a card is drawn, it fades from existence unless the card is the fool or the jester, and the card reappears in the deck making it possible to draw the same, making it possible to draw the same card twice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So once it's done, it's done in that. Yeah. So that you couldn't yeah. even revenge. If you, even if you found the deck, you'd never see the yeah. card again because it was already used in that world. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like reset per person? new owner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's per person. Yeah. yeah. I would possibly do that. Yeah. Anyways, there's it's a lot of weird logistics around it. We can do whatever it. the fuck we want. So. You know what? <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> I feel... I feel like as a DM, it's one of those things that like, yeah, you, you go and you fan out the faces of the cards. It's, it's blank. You're not seeing anything until you declare, I'm going to draw two cards 
and you draw one card and you draw two cards and then you flip them over and you look at them and it is either if if you're just playing with you know a regular deck of cards it's a jack of clubs and it's a king of spades or it is the you know it is the skull card and whatever the king of spades is I didn't look it up yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah um body horror I tried looking up a picture and not a whole lot came up it's yeah because there, there's so, not even a picture of it in the dmz yeah. it's just I think it's just your basic a grim reaper. reaper yeah it is so but so this is this is my marvel nerd coming out um there's an avatar of death in marvel in guardians of the galaxy and so like they're they're kind of based within kind of the realm of like thanos and all that sort of stuff and that's immediately what comes to my mind is like the comic book depiction of mm-hmm. the avatar of death which is kind of almost looks like um almost like Hela um in the Thor Ragnarok movies mm-hmm. um but uh there's one specific one like she's black cat suit has like um like a skull on her chest like a tattered cloak has like a really badass like broadsword that's kind of what yeah. came to my mind was like someone like that so but i mean like because it's an avatar it could really be to the DM's discretion as to how you describe this. Yeah. Yeah. They do have a scythe as a weapon, technically. Yeah. So, like, you know that it's kind of got, like, a Grim Reaper yeah. vibe. But, like, if I was to have a character pull this, I would definitely go to that character's, like, backstory and be like, it's your mom. 100%. It's your yeah. Mom. yeah, your mom rocked up with a scythe and is trying to kill you. Like, <laughs> But again, as Chris Perkins likes to say, I have so many the rule book is always just kind of more guidance this. than... You yeah. can reskin it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's a lot of questions if your mom rolls up with a scythe, though. Oof. You want time to ask questions. She's just going to try yeah. and kill you. <laughs> like, cool scythe, mom. <laughs> Why, mom? Why? Yeah. Um, Role playing. Are we role playing at all? Or are we just. Uh, no, it just wants to kill. That's the thing. It, it just. Wants to yeah. kill you. Rules is written. Like it just stabs so you. So many of these, like, combat's really the only question. Yeah. Because, like, exploration and clues your clue is you pulled the fucking card yeah like yeah. that's your exploration is looking for the deck of cards if that's what you're doing but yeah. like yeah yeah but yeah no i yeah. i agree there's like that's why i'm just like this one is not as meaty as y'all's are y'all's yeah, were yeah, yeah. it's more like it's just it's just another grim reaper in the game that you can pull by accident yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so and combat co- <laughs> combat wise it cuts you with its scythe yeah, all it wants to do Com- combat i definitely say like you could really play up that mm-hmm. no- lack of knowledge of if you intercept if one of your other party members intercepts it's going to produce another one and then it's almost kind of like the head of the hydra type thing yeah you cut off one you and then you're like okay i'm gonna jump over here and i'm gonna help george yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i want to play in a campaign with george now <laughs> Not Greg, though. <laughs> Not Greg. All right. Well, I think that's I think that's I'm... all we really got there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we've come to the point where we're on a scale of one to ten bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you rank these creatures as a part of your undead uh, our? Because I feel like this is our group's undead landscape now at this mm-hmm. point in D and D fifth edition. Uh, so starting with the Night Vale Specter. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to roll, or are we just gonna? <laughs> Uh, and we'll just just go ham. Uh, it, so do, so technically, we uh, we've separated Nightfall Specter and the Gloomwing separately. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, 
So if you were to just come across the Night Vale Spectre without its mount, where mm-hmm. does it land? I mean, they still have all that creepy ass, like stunning you, erasing your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mind kerfuckery is like an automatic eight for me. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like a seven, eight. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right. still, and they could just grab you and fuck off, too. It's true. Like, as their own. And I think that is probably the scariest part yeah. of them. Yeah. All right. So then the Gloomwing on its own. Gloomwing on its own isn't. You're just fighting a flying yeah, undead bat. like a six. Yeah. It is still CR8, so it is strong as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I'm not as scared of it, because it's not the thing that's going to fuck my brain up. You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah. So it would be like a five or a six. Five or six, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking. If you put them together, like where are we at? Yeah. Like a, like a nine. <laughs> yeah, love together it. it's not. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Eye of Fear and Flame. Like a nine. They're like, honestly, when I stopped talking about them, like they were cute. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we started talking about the body horror because they are actually quite frightening looking. Uh-huh. It's like a solid, I gotta say like eight or nine for me. Yeah. Like they're yeah. really creepy. They're, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd I, probably say a good like solid eight or so. It's just the chaos, you know? Yeah. You can't pinpoint what they're gonna do. Yeah, no rhyme or reason for doing what you're doing is uh-huh. very scary, especially in D&D, when all of a sudden yeah, you yeah. fought this thing and you're like, well, why did it try and hit me? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. for no fucking reason. And it's like, what do you mean no yeah. fucking reason? There's always yeah, a reason. He didn't do it as it said. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, oh my God. You sneezed at it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. All right. The Avatar of Death. Like a four. Yeah. It depends. I so, mean, on an annoyance scale, probably bad higher. decisions. It's just a bad decision. It's just a bad decision out of the deck of many things. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a nine out of ten on a bad decision <laughs> scale for like pulling out of the deck of thing. Yeah, many things. yeah, yeah. However, but, the things in that you could pull, you know, it's not probably the worst. No, it's of, not. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say of the cards that are in there, like the void and things like that. Uh-huh. This one comparable, probably not as bad. Like it's yeah. it's like a four uh, or five on yeah, the. Yeah annoyance scale yeah i agree all right now it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on undead in DD fifth edition we're going to take a month off and try to embrace life for a few weeks but we'll be back with season two of bring out your undead soon and we're kicking it off with some of the nastiest brutal monsters in fifth edition I feel like I said nastiest really Midwest there. It was very nastiest. Nastiest. (laughs) I caught myself halfway and I was like. That's okay. okay. I've been told that my, I've I've been told that my Canadian accent comes out when I'm angry. Yeah. Mm, It does. Mine, it's, it's the A's for me. Yeah, it's the A's. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of It's a Mimic Podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash itsamimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. But uh, I, no, I I personally no more talking about Ariola. <laughs>
we can talk more about areolas. It just, I don't have to edit it out. (laughs) Actually, yeah, for the internet's knowledge, in case Adam wants to keep it, the average size of a female areola is 2.5 inches. And for a male, it is one inch, just so it is officially recorded that that's what that is. Why we're talking about the size of areolas? None of your fucking business. (laughs) (laughs) Hell's a breeze. For this episode on the It's a Mimic channel, we're looking at, we're going to be, oh my God. It's good. Take another shot of Riesling and we're good to go. Yeah. Just take another sip. Get another sip of that, that. sip of that wine. It's because I'm not, this is my first time as DM too. Casey usually does this one. That's true. I've never had to read this. This is Adam's fault. He throws us off all the time. Nah, she got promoted so that I can take a backseat on this one. That's why. (laughs) I'm going to get demoted after this one. Yeah, this is your last chance. Just just wait till you're DM1. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah, my dog just busted down here. (laughs) I thought maybe maybe it was your 20-year-old son again. (laughs) My cat woke up from her nap. My cat woke up from her nap and she was like roaming around me. And I'm like, do not meow because she is the (laughs) bossiest of cats. And I was like, do not right now i'm almost just chilling i have disrupted his slumber (laughs) he approves of the new couch does he he does he's a little bit wary of it because it's a little extra fluffy and he's not as stable on it as he was the old couch but Mm -hmm. he is attuned (laughs) hello young man anyways yeah i'm gonna put him down now a little out of breath right now i had to carry him clinging to you How big? What kind of dog do you have, dude? Mm-hmm. Um, he's an English setter. He's about fifty-ish pounds, so I just had to carry fifty pounds up the stairs. Mm. I love that for you. Yeah, my heart's like. <laughs> 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 I may look like I'm in shape, but I am not. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> the twattiest of waffles. <laughs> Fuck you, sauce.